that in that fundamental way in which two are becoming one in God's purpose, that God continues to use and bless us. And it's, it's only in that context of recognizing we are given for the completion of one another that we're really ready to talk about the specific responsibilities of a godly woman. So glad you joined us for today's Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chapel. In today's lesson, Pastor Brian is joined by his wife Kathy in the continuation of a series of messages about marriage and parenting. This message was first shared to an empty sanctuary early on in the COVID-19 pandemic. The chapels previously shared about the biblical model for husbands, and now turn to what the scriptures have to say to instruct godly wives. You can find this lesson and many others when you visit unlimitedgrace.com. And while you're there, look for Pastor Brian's new book, Are We Living in the Last Days? Let's hear now from both Dr. Brian Chapel and his wife, Kathy, as they share the first half of the lesson, Godly Wives. We'll be looking at that passage from Ephesians 5, 21 through 33, but focusing on words particularly to godly wives. If you've been with us in this Through the Bible in a Year series, you know that we recognize God is making the church his witness to the world. And that occurs only, the church as Christ's face to the world, if we are Christ's face to one another. So how are we the face to one another that is Christ's witness of love to the world? Well, extraordinary times that we're in now, again, allow some special things And so, again, this day, as last week, even though I'm going to be the one explaining Scripture, I have asked the mom of our children, Kathy, to help me express some of these biblical truths by giving some of the illustrations from our lives. But first, as we deal with this passage of Scripture, we want to acknowledge some things. We know that this passage about the responsibilities of wives in biblical marriages are difficult for our world to hear, sometimes difficult for those in the church to hear as well. And so we want to be real about what we know the struggles are about a biblical woman's responsibility in her marriage. And Kathy, we've had some examples of that. A pastor we know tells of being invited to a wedding at a church in Washington, D.C., In those days prior to social distancing, the reception was held all together, and attending were the young, up-and-coming, future power brokers for our nation, both men and women. All was going very pleasantly until a young woman asked the young pastor, you know, I heard a preacher say the other day that a marriage, a good marriage, the husband has to be the head. Because a two-headed marriage is a two-headed monster. Well, she had said it loudly enough that it stopped all conversation surrounding as all eyes went to the pastor to hear his response. Who wisely hesitated just a moment and took a deep breath. And then he said this. Imagine that you are married to a man who genuinely believes you are the most fantastic person on the planet. He's crazy about you. 
You have no doubt that your happiness is his top priority. He's responsible. He's not afraid to make decisions. He leads, but he listens. He cherishes you and values your opinions. He's not argumentative. He's not arrogant. He's not selfish. He only has eyes for you. His self-esteem and life goals, his resources, are dedicated to leading his home in whatever way is best for you and your family. Would you have trouble supporting such a man? And the young woman quickly responded, trouble supporting him? No, I want to marry that man. (laughs) Well, people, people laughed, as we would hope people do if there were people in the sanctuary. <laughs> but um, the truth was made. Whether you perceive the Bible's instructions to wives as a burden or as a blessing largely depends on the lens you use to view those instructions. If the lens is one of suppression with sacrifice imposed just on one spouse and not the other, then clearly these words are not going to be a blessing but an offense. But if the lens is one of a man who supports his wife with everything in himself, who is willing to give himself for her in all the decisions and all the difficulties that are in marriage, if that's the man from whom we view the responsibility of a wife, then these words can be a blessing. So what is the lens the apostle Paul uses to express his instruction to wives? Well, that's clear. A wife's instructions are viewed through the lens of a husband, the language of the text, who gives himself for his wife as Christ gives himself for the church. So is that so? Is that really the context of this biblical passage. Let's, let's read and see what it says. I cited the longer passage, but let's just read that portion directed to wives. Ephesians 5, verse 22 through 25. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The context truly seems to be that of a husband who is giving himself for his wife. And out of that context, there is the description of the duty, got it here on the board, the duty and the dignity and the desire of a Christian wife. A wife is to support her husband by the submission of her gifts to God's purposes for their family. And the plain meaning of God's word cannot be avoided. But the instruction, again, is given in the context of a man who loves his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Sounds simple. Here's the problem. The man who lives that obligation perfectly is not on this planet. So does Paul just speak these words into the wind? Are women just to throw these words away because their husbands are not perfect? No, the same apostle who wrote 
these words had not met a perfect man on this planet and still spoke to husbands and wives of the example and the model and the instruction of Christ because of what he knew could be the blessings in a Christian marriage. You're listening to Unlimited Grace, the audio broadcast ministry of pastor and author Brian Chapel. Our world is shaking with news of wars, economic uncertainty, natural disasters, social unrest, and personal tragedies. Now many Christians are wondering, are these the end times? No one seems to be able to handle a world seemingly spinning out of control. Are these the end times? Or is there to be no end to the madness of war? and the sadness of a broken creation. The Bible answers with the certainties and comfort of God's Word. Pastor Brian will help you understand our times in his new book, Are We Living in the Last Days? This careful look at the major views of end times prophecies and the book of Revelation is written to comfort our hearts and strengthen our faith. Jesus promised us peace of heart in a troubled world, and you can understand and anticipate that peace through the assurances of God's Word in Pastor Brian's new book, Are We Living in the Last Days? You can request your copy of Are We Living in the Last Days when you go online to unlimitedgrace.com or by calling 844-41-GRACE. That's 844-414-7223. And now, more from Brian Chapel on today's Unlimited Grace. What does the Apostle Paul establish as the duty of a godly wife? Before we go there, we may have to simply discuss the duty of all Christians. What is the the general duty of a wife and all Christians that the apostle has already stated in this passage. Now, a few weeks ago, as we were beginning this Ephesians passage on families, we read where the general instructions were given to Christians at the beginning of chapter 5. And Kathy, I've asked you to read that for us. What are the general instructions to all Christians? Be therefore imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. All Christians are called to submit their gifts and their privileges in sacrifice to the purposes of God in the lives of others, just as Christ gave himself up for us. And that's the context of verse 21 that precedes this passage to wives, where The apostle talked about was being filled with the Spirit in the church. And the last category of the church fulfilling that example of being filled with the Spirit for witness to the world was people who are submitting themselves to one another out of love for Christ. And it's in that general context of sacrifice for the sake of one another that the apostle then gives specific instruction to wives. 
And that's where he says, in particular, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But it's important to remember that before any of that specific instruction is given, the apostle has said, here's here's the instruction for everybody. You are to be pouring your lives into the completion of another. Just as Christ did for us, we are pouring our lives into God's purposes for the others that God puts into our lives. That's, That's made more poignant in the lives of Husbands and wives in verse 31 where it says, we are husbands and wives, one in the Lord. As we are completing one another, husbands are to sacrifice their very selves for the sake of their wives and wives to submit their gifts to the good of their husbands. But we well recognize that that pouring of oneself into the completion of another is not always one's first thought. But when it is lived, it has profound effects in families. And Kathy, we've seen that. Several years ago, we were visited by an old friend of Brian's. John's family was suffering from the consequences of his terrible upbringing and childhood. In order to have an unhindered affair with a neighbor, John's father had intentionally driven his wife into insanity. John's dominant childhood memories were of his parents fighting outside his bedroom door. And now, John related to us, that history of rage and abuse was the context context for his own family patterns. He controlled his family with criticism and temper tantrums. One night, his rage was so intense that he recognized he was nearly losing control of himself, and it scared him. So he promised his wife that night that if he ever blew up like that again, he would leave to avoid hurting her and their children. Well, the resolve did not last long. The tantrums continued for months until one outburst, his wife left the room running to the bedroom and dissolved into tears. Well, that startled him. That was not the way she usually responded to his tantrums. And so he said, Honey, why is this time different? Why are you so hurt? And she said, Because tonight is the one-year anniversary of that terrible promise you made to leave us if you lost your temper this way again. I knew when you made that promise you couldn't keep it. So I went to see our pastor and asked him what to do. He said, I cannot control you. Only the Holy Spirit could do that. So I have been on my knees every day praying for you, praying that the Holy Spirit would change you, but nothing has worked. Except that did work. When he learned how she had been sacrificing herself in patience and prayer, on her knees seeking God's good for his life, then he finally recognized that he had to change. It was her submission of her gifts to his good, pouring herself into the completion of him. When he recognized it, that broke him. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That as we give ourselves one for another, pouring ourselves into the completion of another, that there's a profound spiritual influence upon the one who is most dear to us. This is not physical domination. This is not sexual blackmail. 
This is not emotional manipulation. This is at the fundamental level, sacrificial love, so that ultimately what God is doing is he is hearkening all the way back to the original created order. When God took a woman out of a man, the man gave of himself that the woman could be created, and then God made her to help, to support him, that in that fundamental way in which two were becoming one in God's purpose, that God continues to use and bless us. And it's, it's only in that context of recognizing we are given for the completion of one another that we're really ready to talk about the specific responsibilities of a godly woman. Those responsibilities are clear, that a woman is called to fully express her gifts in the support of a husband. Now, where do I get that? Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to the Lord. Now, let's be honest about what our culture tends to think about these standards of biblical submission. And Kathy, what have we heard? Well, several years ago at um, this point in a marriage conference, a, a lovely professionally dressed businesswoman raised her hand and said, I don't care how beautifully you describe this, submission is something my dog does. I do not. And it's not just something our culture struggles with. What the church sometimes has tended to teach about Biblical submission is also difficult for us to hear, and it should be. Kathy, what have we sometimes heard in the church? Well, once upon a time, there was a man driving to a destination with Unnamed. We're not going to name this person. Unnamed. <laughs> and he had trouble finding the location when his wife sitting next to him began to give him some instruction, some direction. And then from the back seat came the voice of their teenage son. Mom, don't forget, suppress, suppress. (laughs) And she turned around and said to that little smart aleck, the word is not suppress, the word is submit, and there is a difference. Is there a difference? There is a difference that makes all the difference in how we understand what the Bible is actually saying. What does the Bible actually teach? You have to look at the Word carefully and not with the cultural stereotype, not with the church stereotypes. What does submit mean? It's, it's two Greek words put together, hupotasso, which simply means to arrange under. It is taking one's gifts, resources, talents, intelligence, and arranging them under the purpose of God's fulfillment in the life of another. Now, that is far from suppression. That is full expression of gifts in behalf of another. How do I know that's the case? Because of the example that's given in verse 24. As the church submits to Christ, we never say to the church, now suppress, suppress, don't sing too well, don't think too clearly, don't praise God too well, don't build up other people too much. We never say that in the church. We say take all the gifts that God has provided and express.
express them fully in behalf of another. And that is precisely the example that Paul has given so that we will recognize that the calling, is it sacrificial? Yes, but it is not suppression. It is full expression of gifts in behalf of another. Again, just the reminder, Paul is taking that notion of verse 18, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ and saying, husbands, how do you do that? You sacrifice your very all for the sake of your spiritual leadership in the home using the gifts of leadership that God has given you for the sake of your family and your spouse and wife, the gifts that you have from God. Be expressing them fully for the sake of your husband as well. And if you don't see that, there are portions of Scripture that just will not make sense anymore. It's so common on Mother's Day that we begin to quote Proverbs 31, and we extol biblical godly women out of Proverbs 31. But what does it actually say about women expressing their gifts in behalf of another? So, Kathy, I've asked that you read that too. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels, and the heart of her husband trusts in her. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So, so there it is again. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. It's hearkening back to that Genesis passage. Of, she is his helper. She is the one who supports him. She is doing him good all the days of her life. And how is that then described, Kathy, in this passage in Proverbs 31? She rises while it is yet night. We can all relate. Kroger is open at six, I mean, after all. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. She considers a field and buys it. With her hand, she plants a vineyard. She sees that her merchandise is profitable. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She makes linen garments and sells them. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. (laughs) The Bible offers praise to the woman who cares for her family. That's not news to you. But how does she care for her family in that Proverbs 31 passage? She's involved in manufacturing and merchandising and agriculture. She does retail and real estate. She makes time for charity and cares for those who are needy. In all of this, her husband trusts her because she does him good. All the days of her life, she is pouring herself into the completion of another. She's fully expressing her gifts against all our suppression stereotypes in support of God's purposes in the life of her husband. She does him good. For all of these reasons, her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband praises her. Just as the apostle said was supposed to happen when we talked to husbands last week, that that they look at their wives and they seek to make them radiant and splendid, know fully the grace of God in their lives. This is that giving for one another that God intends. And it's this living for the sake of another that is ultimately not just the, the duty of a Christian life, but ultimately the dignity of a Christian wife. 
My friend, if there is something that is weighing you down and causing you to worry or be anxious, I want to pray for you right now. Father, you know the difficulties I and my friends are experiencing, and you will provide as you know is best for our eternity. May confidence in this grace give us comfort and affliction and prepare us to share with others in need the greatness of your wisdom and your power and your love. We trust you. We love you because you first loved us. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Pastor Brian Chapel, and you've been listening to Unlimited Grace. If you've missed anything that you'd like to hear once again, just visit unlimitedgrace.com. And when you do so, you can sign up for Pastor Brian's daily devotional sent right to your inbox. Please be sure to join us next time as once again we endeavor to put Christ at the center of our efforts so that lives might be transformed by His unlimited grace. This ministry is brought to you by Unlimited Grace Media and continues to be made possible with your generous financial support.